next to I'm not fond of asking True or false it may be Or she's still out to get me And I know she knows that I'm not Welcome to ATR Around the Rink. I'm Jerry Oster. With me always is my friend Chewy. Chewy, how are we doing today, buddy? Really good, man. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else except maybe Dell's restaurant in Transpono. I'd rather be in Hawaii. <laughs> I could see you in Hawaii. Like, I'm really surprised you don't live there. Oh, anywhere. I just, I just wish I was on a beach somewhere. But today, today's kind of nice. Yeah, today's kind of nice. We got some, uh, we'll take the good weather when we get it right now. Exactly. Um, so, Chu, let's talk a little bit about, uh, there were some new restrictions passed this week. Uh, I know there's some different restrictions around the city for us. Uh, moving forward, I just want to get the word out that nothing's really changed for us. Uh, we're going to keep continuing doing the programs the same way that we've done it. Uh, still allowing only one parent in per athlete. Uh, but it was nice to hear that the restrictions didn't affect us this week. Yeah, for sure. You know, we, we here at the rink, we always, you know, we want to take care of our family, our customers, the loyal people that have been with us from day one and all the new people that we've had since we opened up our new building. And, you know, it was just great. Nothing really changed. We're still status quo. We're still going to take care of our, our staff and make sure everybody's safe. And also, our, you know, our customers, people that come in, we want to make sure that we can put smiles on kids' faces. We've talked about it before. There's nothing better than walking by one of the rink training, like the pads, the ice surface, and seeing kids skating around with smiles on their faces. So it's great to see. Yeah, just to kind of, uh, you know, touch on what you said, I think the rink's always gone above and beyond. Well, let's get to the NHL. Jets lost one last night, a big one, 6-1. Um, what do you think of the game, and, and what do you think's going on with the Jets on their four-game losing streak? Well, I think, first of all, I think Edmonton's rolling on all cylinders. I think it really shows how, how, uh, how bad Connor McDavid wants to win. I think he's, he's seen that this is a prime opportunity more than ever, that he has an opportunity to get into the Stanley Cup final. Uh, he can, you know, he can win a game on his own and he showed it that last night. I thought he was the best player on the ice, which he is almost every night. Um, but he's, you know, his cast of characters that he's got there behind him now, Dry Settle and, you know, some of those other guys there now, they're a pretty good hockey team. And if they, Mike Smith can, can keep uh, playing to give him some opportunities to win, um, you know, it might be the old style 7-6 game, the Grand Fear style games, but uh, I think they're going to win. With the Jets, I think, you know, the word adversary, adversity was used a lot yesterday by the media. I think it's something that they're facing. But I also think it's a little bit of a, a time for some of these young guys who now are veterans are about the time to say, okay, it's your time to shine and see what you can do. Someone's got to step up. You know, we heard about Blake Wheeler being a captain. He's a great captain. But some of these other guys got to step up and take charge. That's what I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think sometimes with the younger guys on the Jets, they want to play – you know, we always hear time and time again, play with pace, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, th I think even watching last night's game, I think we we try to do the right things and, and, and the, the efforts there, especially in the first period yesterday, I thought the effort was there. But, you know, I counted four of the six goals that were, uh, you know, direct giveaways or, or mishandling of a puck. And I think if the Jets could just slow it down a little bit, get back to the basics and not always think, you know, uh, transition hockey as fast as we can, especially against a team. That's the thing with Edmonton. They have a great team, right? So you can't give the puck away to Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and those guys because they're going to make you pay. And on the other side, I think Edmonton does a great job with that. Like there wasn't many times in, in, in last night's game, at least, that 
they were giving us those opportunities. Like they weren't giving our offense much. They were playing pretty simple defensive hockey, uh, hard, you know, a nurse is not an easy guy to go against. He'll let you know he's there, uh, but they get the puck out and then they let their forwards do the rest. So I think the Jets, you know, I think this is a good thing. I never like um, going into the playoffs without any adversity. So this is a great time to see what we're made of, um, especially with uh, with all the injuries right now. So let's just quickly get to that. Um, Ehlers uh, yesterday was put on the injured reserve. He's done for the regular season. Lowry's still not back. Um, what do the Jets need to do now with some of these injuries? Well, you, you know how it is. It's just like any any game of hockey when an injured guy who plays a lot of minutes like Lowry or like Ehlers, when those guys go down, someone's got to step up. Now, I thought Johnson Harkins came in last night and he said to come in after sitting out a few games there after Wheeler got back in. I thought he did well. And now it's an opportunity for some of those guys that come in that have maybe been on the taxi squad, maybe wherever it's been, that, you know, have just been waiting for these opportunities. They got to come in and they got to push a little bit. And then, you know, some guys that get bumped up in the in the lineup, David, they're the guys who got to kind of take charge of it and, you know, find a goal or a game for the team, someone, because when everybody gets back together, if those guys are going on all cylinders because they've had to bump up their play a little bit, the Jets would be even better than they were before. Okay, Chu, well, let's get to the, uh, the interview. We got Corey McNabb, uh, the director of the player development side for Hockey Canada. We talked with him about everything from skill development to his worldly travels uh, and learning the game. So let's get to that interview right now, Chu. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the podcast, Hockey Canada Skill Development Director, Corey McNabb. Corey, how's it going today? It's going very good. Thanks for having me on. All right. So, Corey, you know what? Let's start right at the beginning. Uh, how did you get into skill development in the hockey world? Uh, probably a classic story, being in the right place at the right time. When I got out of university, uh, I was done at the University of Alberta. Um, I actually was doing a, a practicum placement um, where I was working in roller hockey. And so back in the uh, uh, late early 2000s roller hockey was a big sport so in the university I did a practicum there so did a lot of stuff with that uh, at the time hockey canada decided they were going to sort of get into the the roller hockey world as well since it was a great sort of off-season complement to ice hockey so I did that for a couple of years and then sort of transitioned into player development with hockey canada more on the on the ice side and i've been uh, involved in the sort of the skill development side ever since then so you started with uh, with the roller hockey and then just transitioned right into the ice hockey. Did you ever, uh, were you doing both at the same time or did once you kind of got into the ice side of it, uh, roller hockey was done? Yeah, I did. There was a little bit of a transition point there. I was still playing a lot of roller hockey and, you know, back then it was a lot of big tournaments and big events is sort of the, was sort of the big thing with roller hockey. So I was still doing that and then sort of transitioned into the ice hockey and, and more on the sort of post-clinic certification side, so working on sort of the skill development, um, you know, after coaches had taken the clinic and that type of thing. So it, uh, it was, it was a, a really good transition. It was a good opportunity to work at all different levels. So whether you're working with sort of the, you know, the uh, five- and six-year-olds and, and those coaches who were just sort of getting into the game, but then also had lots of opportunities to work all the way up with, uh, you know, our junior teams, some of the Olympic programs and sort of everything in between. So it was, it was a great way to get a lot of experience getting into the sort of the hockey administrative side of things. But for me, probably the best part was still being able to, you know, to be on the ice, coaching, working in the skills side and, and sort of developing 
you know, the, the knowledge of how everything sort of ties in together, I think was a, was a great experience when I first started off. Did you uh, ever get the edge or did you, maybe you did, did you ever get into coaching teams or were you, did you just do mostly all the skill at that time? No, I coached uh, right off the bat. I always felt that, you know, if we're going to be developing programs from a Hockey Canada level, it was important to be in the rinks and be on the ice and, and be right in the middle of it. So typically what I did, uh, you know, association that I lived uh, nearby the rink in Calgary, uh, started there with a group of kids at the time was novice. So now the U9 levels and uh, just volunteered said, hey, looking to coach. If you want any assistance, let me know. And so it was took sort of that group of kids and, and coached that group for five years. So I went up from novice to Adam to Peewee. And then sort of at that point, they transitioned into the double AA, A, triple A levels um, in the Calgary system here, and then start over again with another group of kids at you know, at, at eight years old and went through for five years with them. I've done that, I think three times now over 15 years. Um, a couple of years in, in the middle there, I, I took a bit of a break and did more stuff with sort of the, the, the Bantam and Midget AAA type of stuff. And then I've been coaching back again, U11 the last couple of years. So it, it's really fun for me just to, you know, to start with a group of kids, you know, you, you have really don't have, you don't know any of the kids, you don't know any of the parents. So you start off and you kind of go through implementing your philosophy. You know, I, I don't really care about wins and losses. Uh, it's all about how do we make these kids better. And, and then when you have the chance to flow through with the same group of kids for the four or five years, you really get a good understanding of what they're good at, what they're not. Um, they get to really know you as a person on, you know, what your expectations are in practice and games. And, and, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a great, in, great situation for, for a coach to see the kids develop over that four or five year span, because you're, like I said, you really gain a, good insight into, into where their strengths and deficiencies are. And so to me, it's all about development. Was that something when you, you know, when you became a coach, was that something you wanted to do right from the start was, you know, first off become the coach and then stick with the same team for four or five years, or was that just kind of something that happened? And then you realize, wait a second, I can grow with the team and, and kind of learn through the years of developing the same player? Is that something that you kind of went in thinking to do or it just happened? No, it definitely wasn't something I went in thinking to do. I just thought, hey, this is a great opportunity coaching, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, seven and eight-year-olds. You know, again, if we're working on programs with Hockey Canada, I think it's great to be involved in the community and, and, and really get in there with, you know, the association, the parents and the players and then kind of go. And then my first year was such a great experience. I thought, you know what, I'd like to stick with these same kids and families for the next year. And then it just sort of evolved, you know, and then when they, when they kind of graduated from their, you know, the, the peewee age category at the time, and, you know, then there, some of them were going into double A, triple A and things like that. Um, you know, I thought, Hey, you know, I learned a lot of things in those five years, some things you want definitely want to do again, some things you want to do different. And so I decided, well, I'll start with a new group of kids. So kind of started all brand new and, and the things that worked, we kept doing and things that I thought we could do better you know, it's, it's a way to adapt and, and change. And so it, it wasn't something that I had a plan going in to do that, but it turned out. And after the first sort of group of, of kids and parents that I had, it was a really great experience in the minor hockey system. So I thought, well, we'll do it again. So I did it again for a second time and then a, and then a third time. And, uh, you know, one, one of the, probably the most rewarding things of it is, is a lot of those kids in those first couple of groups are, are kids that are coaching now. And so for me, it kind of tells me that, well, they must have had a, 
you know, a decent enough experience that they're, they're back and they're, and they're coaching, coaching themselves. So to me, that's, that's one of the rewarding things about it as well. Um, Corey, in your standpoint, like, um, you know, coaches, uh, at every level, they've got to get certified or they, you know, attend coaching conferences or someone that, uh, you know, has been involved, uh, you know, uh, nationally and internationally on skill development. How do you keep up to date on all the different skills, all the different, you know, drills or techniques that are coming out? How do you keep up to, uh, you know, up to date with all those? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would also say that's probably one of the funnest parts of my position right now is, you know, to be honest, we spend a ton of time watching games at, at the highest level for males and females. And we're just looking at what the players are doing. You know, what, what are the latest skating trends that we're seeing? What are the latest puck handling shooting trends and stuff like that? And then it's, it's really fun to kind of break that stuff down and, and transition it back into how do we, how do we turn this situation that happens in a game into a drill and, and what are the components of, of how we break it down? And, you know, I would say so much of this stuff has really changed over the last, probably last 10 years. Um, to me, skating is, is totally different now than it was in the past, you know, whether it's a traditional kind of power skating, type of type of thing that it used to be called is um you know that has changed we see so many players that are so much more dynamic on their skates than they than they used to be and the ability to change directions and riding their edges and things like that so to me it, it's you know we've always had the philosophy that if it happens in a game then we should practice it and as we see you know new players come through the system um everybody skates different you know there's a lot of people out there right now that are going to probably try and teach kids how to skate like Connor McDavid. Well, not every kid's going to be built like Connor McDavid or moves the way he does. And so when we look at it, um, we kind of use the term skate the game. Um, you know, if we were to look at the top four to five players in the NHL uh, right now, we would look at, you know, you say your, your Matthews, your McDavid, your Dreisaitl, your Kane, your Sidney Crosby's. They're all built different. They all skate different, but they're all successful in, in how they do it. So to me, it's not a, a one size fits all. It's, it's really looking at, at more of the player as an individual and what's their style of game, how big are they, how do they move, and how do you maximize what those types of things are. So that, to me, that's the real fun component of it. And then, you know, we have a, a great group of skills coaches across the country that we work with, and we, we have great conversations on on you know, what players are doing and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. So it's just a constant learning environment. And, and that's something that I think is, is important in today's game. You know, if you're not, if you're not continually learning and improving, then you're probably falling behind. So. Well, Corey, let's talk a little bit about the hockey Canada skills coach certification program. You've been involved with that uh, for a while. Um, first off, you know, why did it start? Why did you guys start that, that, that program and how has it evolved over the last couple of years? Yeah, it's, it's one of my uh, favorite projects or programs to work on. So probably back in 2012 or 13, um, you know, as you guys are probably aware, the advent of skills coaches became something that was much more popular in the game. Um, been around in other sports, you know, there's been pitching coaches and hitting coaches and fielding coaches in, in baseball for years. In football, you know, there's linebacker coaches, there's receivers coaches, quarterbacks coaches that are really focusing on the specifics. And so, you know, across the country, we started seeing more and more of, of skills coaches that, that weren't really coaching teams necessarily anymore, but they're working with individual players 
was starting to get a lot more popular. And, and we kind of thought that, you know, this is a great opportunity to, to attract some of the top people and, and build out a bit of a formal process where um, people can apply. They, they come in, we do a week-long seminar in Calgary in the summertime, on-ice sessions, off-ice sessions, presentations, different things, and just a really great way to network and, and to share. And so the first one we ran was in um, 2016. And uh, we kind of threw the application process, process out there through our, you know, our provincial member branches and through our social media at the time. And we got some really great people that have applied. And, you know, again, the first year, you're never really sure how it's going to go. But we had uh, 16 people that we accepted. We brought them into Calgary. A lot of former NHL players, former pros, people who were doing this full time. No one really knew what to expect. And uh, so we kind of you know, went through that first week and, you know, after the first two days, you know, the feedback we got from everybody was like, this is unbelievable. We have 16 coaches on the ice here, uh, sharing ideas, asking questions, uh, the networking that was going on sort of at the end of the day, back at the hotel, um, you know, the laptops are coming out and people had rink boards, drawing drills and sharing video and, and, and stuff like that. And um, it was amazing to see how, how well everyone sort of checked their egos at the door. Nobody came in and thought, you know, I'm, I'm the best skill developer in Canada. I'm not going to share any of my information. Everybody came in with a really, really open mind. And they all found out that the more they shared, the more they got back. And, you know, the ice sessions were, were incredible. We had coaches wheeling around out there and, and just the skill level and, and the, the drills and everything. And, and so, you know, we, every year we've kind of taken the best of that initial program we've adapted it and tweaked it you know we have some ice sessions where it's just the coaches are on the ice um, and we have someone who's leading up you know a presentation on skating or developing defensemen or shooting and scoring and then their second ice session of the day is you know those coaches have to teach to each other so now they're 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 teaching what they do and asking questions and working out progressions and then we brought kids out on the ice in the evening for their last ice session so we could really work on sort of that error correction and detection component. So, so every ice time was a little bit different. It just wasn't the same thing over and over. And then, you know, probably the, one of the best parts of it, honestly, is we didn't really plan it this way, but, you know, they'd say, hey, what's our Thursday morning? What's our ice session on? And I said, you know what? I'll tell you about 10 minutes before you go on the ice. <laughs> and they were like, really? I'm like, well, you know, in, in reality, like doing a lot of skills work, you know, for myself, I know you go to the rink and you got to plan and then, you know, all of a sudden the head coach is saying, well, you know, we, we need to work on this and this because we didn't do this well in the game. So your, your total plan is out the window. So you got to be able to think on your feet and do that. And so that's one of been one of the mainstays. So 10 minutes before they, 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 they go on the ice, I tell the one group, okay, your guys' topic is, uh, you know, um, transition skating, for example. And so they got 10 minutes to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? Where, how are we going to set it up? How are we going to teach it? And you know, I wasn't sure exactly how that was going to go over, but at the end of it, they all said, you know what, that was probably one of the funnest ice times when you got to think on your feet right away. Uh, your plan goes out the window. It's, it's adapting to what the head coach or the, the team uh, ends up needing on, on those days. So, you know, those are little things that we've kind of discovered along the way and, you know, happened by accident. And sometimes those are some of the best things that come out of it. So, you know, like I said, every, every year we've adapted it and changed it a little bit. We think we're down to uh, a really good format right now that allows coaches to, to listen and learn from other people, but to share their experiences and then to continue to, to try and, 
and, and uh, you know, come up with, with new ways or progressions on drills or regressions on drills, different setups and, and things like that. But um, yeah, it's been an unbelievable progress process. It's been, it's my, probably my favorite week of the year. And then, you know, after that, the networking and, and, and how the coaches all stay in touch with each other and they're sharing, sharing drills and videos back and forth. And, you know, the groups have, have remained really close. You know, you get to know each other pretty well after you spend a, a week together and, you know, a bunch of hockey nerds just talking hockey, you know, 24 seven. So. So you find some of those discussions ever get a little bit heated just with guys trying to share. I know with us at the rink, we do a lot of debating back and forth, different skills, you know, if it's applicable in games, how do you teach it, stuff like that. Um, but I know sometimes we get into it and have a little bit of fun with that. Do you find that with uh, the Hockey Canada certified coaches as well? Yeah, we have great discussions all the time. And, you know, the good thing about it is, you know, after the guys have spent, the guys and girls have spent a week together, they get to know each other. Um, you know, sometimes the defenses drop a little bit and someone will throw it out there and say, Hey, I, I like doing this. What do you guys think? And then he all come back to say, well, I like it in this situation, but I don't like it in that situation. And so that's where one of the things we've tried to look at, you know, right from the start is saying there's no one right way to do something. And there's no one wrong way to, to us. It's all situational, you know, where it, where it happens in the game, um, what part of the ice. So yeah, we get some great debates. We have some people who think, you know, this is the way you do it. And other people are like, no, I disagree. And, but at the end of the day, it's always about, you know, you, you sell me on why you think this is the best way to do it. And we'll go from there. You know, and sometimes it, you know, again, it comes down to player specificity, what you might work on with a defenseman, you know, who's five foot 10 and a great skater versus someone who's six foot four and more of a defensive player. You, you can't, you can't do it the same way. They teach it the same way. It's, it's different. So it's about recognizing those differences and, and, you know, everything for us comes down to situational, never say never, never say always, because inevitably something's going to happen. That's going to, you know, contradict those things. So it's continual learning. Um, but we do get some good debates, you know, and even on the ice, sometimes, you know, we have, we put the, once the coaches come in, they're in smaller groups of four or five and we'll, you know, I'll turn around and they're, they're not doing anything. They're standing there talking for 15 minutes and we're like, what's going on in there? Well, you know, we're, we're debating, you know, what's the best way to do this and this and that. So I would say, you know, over the years, we've probably had a couple situations where things get a little bit more, more heated, but at the end of the day, you know, again, everyone's respectful of everyone else's experience and their knowledge. And, uh, you know, they might listen to it and still not believe it. So they're like, well, hey, you did a great job in presenting your case, but I don't believe it, so I'm not going to do it that way. But, um, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of interesting conversations, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, just hitting on that a little bit, do you, how important is it there? How much do you stress your skill coaches uh, to be themselves and not try and be someone that they see on YouTube or someone that they see – you know, on TV or at a clinic that they go to that like, do you stress they just got to be themselves? Yeah, absolutely. I think the most important thing is, um, you know, hockey or sports or any activity for that matter right now, because of how much access people have to social media and video, it's, it's a copycat game, to be honest. Like, you know, if someone sees someone doing a great drill, they're going to copy it. And it does, it's the same for, for team coaches, but you know, you, you have to be who you are. I think the number one thing is you have to be confident in what you're teaching and, and players can read on that. If, if it's not really your forte, you know, you can't really fake it anymore. Yeah. You can't, 
you know, we always tell coaches, Hey, fake it till you make it. But you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you have to, you have to develop your own way and methodology of, of teaching it and communicating it. And, and as we all know, you know, some kids will, will understand by just watching, some will understand by doing, some will understand by watching a video. So you have to be pretty diverse and you have to be flexible. And, and I think in today's day and age, it's an important component, especially when players get a little bit older to, to get feedback from them, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to try this, but you know, does it, do you feel this would, this would work for you? And so I think the players appreciate that component of it. But I think if you come in and you're just constantly telling players what to do and how to do it and, and, and this and that, you're not probably going to get the best out of them. They need to be involved a little bit in the why and the how. And so, yeah, we encourage coaches like, you know, we're sharing stuff all the time back and forth and we're saying, but you know, not everyone teaches the same way, but to me, it's, it's having confidence in your ability. And if you're confident on the ice, no matter what it is, I think the players will read off that and they'll understand um, you know, if you're just trying to sort of pick and choose something from this guy and something from this girl and something over here, I'm not sure you get a real solid flow to what you're trying to teach. And I think the players can, you know, kind of figure out that you're just kind of picking and choosing things without sort of having that progression or the, or the reason as, as to why you're doing the drills in this order or why you're doing the skills in this order, how do they, they tie in? So, um, you know, by all means, we encourage coaches to share and, and watch other people and listen and learn. But ultimately, you have to be able to develop your own style, your own system on how you're going to be able to get it across to the players that's, that's the best for you. So, Corey, you know, Canada is a big, big country. Um, do you guys find it hard getting like coaches to all kind of pull in the same direction? Or is that something that you constantly at Hockey Canada, you know, kind of working on to get everybody kind of pulling in the same direction? That's an interesting question. You know, there's, there's about a million hockey experts in our country. And, and, you know, if you just ask any of them, they'll probably tell you. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, there's, there's certain components where I think you need consistency. Um, you know, they're, we're trying to get coaches to follow a similar pathway so that there's a consistency in how players are developed from, from different aspects. And, and, you know, there, there's a lot of great coaches out there. There's a lot of great skills coaches. And, and I think one of our jobs when, when we bring people into Hockey Canada seminars or clinics is, is to not just tell them the what, but also the why and the how and, and let them kind of see, like, here's, here's why we believe that this is a, a really good way to approach these, these components. Here's, here's the here's the why, the how, the education, the rationale. And, 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 you know, for, for the most part, it's about, you know, it's because things have been tried and tested over the years and, and things that don't work that, you know, we don't do them anymore and things that do, we want to encourage coaches to, to do it. And, and really it comes down to me as more sort of consistency and standardization and how we're trying to develop players. And that not, doesn't mean that every coach has to be doing the exact same drills or running the same practices, but you know, a philosophy on, on skating, a philosophy on handling the puck, a philosophy on passing and shooting. There's some foundational things there that I think um, over time that we've been able to, to gather from, you know, who we could consider experts in the field and to say, you know, if you do these things, you're going to see improvement in your players. And that's, you know, and it's not to say that, again, everyone has to run it exactly the same way. But in our programs, we kind of aim for 80-20. We're kind of looking for 80% of the components to be standardized and sort of consistent and then that 20% gives that coach that opportunity to, 
um, add their own flair to it or, or different things like that. But, uh, but I think if you go in and you just expect everyone to do it the exact same way, it's not going to work. And, and to me, that's the beauty of, the, of our country as well. Like I would say right now, there's not a prototypical Canadian player. You know, um, McDavid is different than Shifley, who's different than Mitch Marner, who's different than uh, Sidney Crosby, but they're all successful. And, and I would say, you know, in some of our research over the years, when you look at different countries, um, you know, a lot of the players, they, they move the same way, they skate the same way. And, and, you know, if they didn't have names on the back, you know, they would all look the same. And so there's some benefits in that, in the fact that they're all at, a, you know, a certain skill level and they play the same way. But I would also say there's probably some drawbacks to that in the fact that um, it's probably almost too cookie cutter. And, and so um, philosophically and concept wise, we want to try and get some consistency, but how coaches arrive to that end game, I think we need to allow some, some differences and, and opportunities for trying different things and, and testing. Um, Corey, like when you think about that, you talk about different age levels, a different age group of hockey players, whether they're male or female. Is there a certain, um, like the U9 group or U11 group as you move forward, is there a certain like skill level that you, you guys see in Hockey Canada to develop at that certain age group? Like, I know that you have a strong relationship with John Kerry here at our facility and he's, you know, developed his master, master, mastery program. And I know that that's something that he believes in heavily. Is that something that Hockey Canada believes in, or is it something that you you yourself believe in? Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think obviously there's you know sort of um, components at each age level. We really look at that seven to eleven, eight to twelve period of time as the biggest opportunity for adaptation and for kids to acquire skills. Um, you know, I think having a system in place and having key components and, and fundamental uh, skills there is important. Um, but it also comes down, I think, to the level of expertise of knowledge of the instructor. So for the masses out there, for example, in skating, we really believe that at sort of that 11 and under, 12 and under, if coaches are really focusing on the, you know, the ABCs, agility, balance, coordination, then that will produce a, a very good fundamental level of skating ability that then the kids will be able to, to build on as they, as they grow older. So I, I don't necessarily get too technical or biomechanical with kids at those ages because at the end of the day, you know, kids are going to grow at different stages. All of a sudden, you know, someone grows a lot over the summer, then everything changes on how they move or how they skate. But I think having a um, you know, a, a program or a philosophy that is um, consistent and there's a plan behind it, I think that's, that's hugely beneficial. But for, for the most part, you know, again, depending on the level of expertise of the, of the instructors and the, and the coaches, if we can get coaches just building overall athleticism, physical literacy, the ability to turn left, turn right, stop, start, accelerate, um, change speeds, different things like that. And then with the puck, you know, being dynamic with the puck, range of motion, being able to handle it equally as well on the forehand and the backhand, puck protection, all those fundamental skills. Then as a player begins to develop their style of play and they come through the system, I think it's much easier to, to narrow down on the biomechanical components once you kind of get an idea of how, how that player is going to move. And so, um, you know, I typically, I tell parents, like I, I wouldn't focus myself on a ton of skating that involves biomechanics at a young age. 
because you don't know how that player is going to grow and develop when they get older. It might all change. It might all get thrown out the window, but if they have a good athletic foundation um, and, and they're good on their skates, they're good on their edges, they'll, they'll be able to adapt as they go. So, um, you know, having, having a plan for sure, having a philosophy on how you want to do it and figuring out the progressions that are going to work, I think is, is outstanding. Um, you know, we, we kind of probably tend to move a little bit more on general movement, general skating versus trying to lock kids in at, at a young age. But, um, you know, there, there's a ton of great programs that do a really good job and they've developed a system and they follow it. As long as you have the ability to, to adapt your system um, based on the individual players or, or based on scenarios, then I think you're going to be you're going to be down, down the road and down the path. But, but you know, I think that the plan of the system in place is, is great because it gives you a, sort of that recipe or that guide to follow. And, and just like a coach in a team practice plan, you can plan five practices in a row, but inevitably something's going to change on the fly or you're going to adapt it. Uh, it's all about being able to, to kind of determine how the players are progressing and how they're able to perform the skills and then move. And sometimes it works well and sometimes you're going to have to adapt it. So. Um, I would say that's kind of our, our focus and we've gotten a lot of that from, you know, long-term player development studies in other sports as well. Um, you know, where it's really about developing that foundation at the young age so that, you know, what, whatever the sport is, whether it's tennis or whether it's golf or whether it's baseball, that when they get to that point and, and they've, they've hit their growth spurt, um, you know, and those types of things, they'll, they'll have a really good athletic foundation to to sort of develop into whatever type of player it is that they want to develop into so so I know you talked a little bit about when you were a coach there Corey about how uh, you got your philosophy was a little bit more about the development side not so much about wins and losses um, as you get older in hockey everyone knows it gets a little bit more intense and and that kind of direction you know I know when I played it it, it was about wins and losses at certain levels um, how do you go about, you know, maybe explaining to coaches or even parents to that matter who are paying for the hockey um, that development is just as important as, as the wins and losses category? You know, that's a great sort of, I guess, conversation that I'm sure that a lot of coaches have had over the years in every rink in Canada. Um, I've always believed that if you do a good job developmental-wise that the wins or success in games will come later. And, and there's no doubt when I first started coaching, you know, I still had the same philosophy. Let's make sure these players are better. Like, I, I don't care if we win at nine years old. It, it's more or less, where do these players end up as, as they're older? And there's no doubt there's parents who believe in the philosophy and there's some that don't. They're like, we need to have a breakout. We need four checks. We need to win games, blah, blah, blah. You know, all those types of things. And, you know, probably because of where I worked, it was a little bit easier for me to sell that philosophy uh, to the parents, you know, knowing that I worked at Hockey Canada. But to me, the, the, the proof is sort of in... In, in the pudding and, and, and over the years hardly spent any time on on systems it's more or less on the skills and the tactics that are required to to make that happen and I said you know like we could have the best plan breakout on paper in the world but if the kids can't retrieve a puck if they can't make a pass they can't receive a pass it doesn't matter same with your four check like you know we can tell the kids hey you skate as hard as you can and you try and get that puck but if you don't haven't taught them how to skate the proper angles how to use their stick and all those types of things. It doesn't matter. And so one of the things that I think historically has, has worked is, you know, the first half of the season, we just do skills. 
So individual skills, and then I would say individual tactics. So how to use that skill to beat an opponent. And we just hammer that home in the first half of the year. And we just work on it, work on it, repetition, repetition, repetition. And to be honest, there's been a lot of years when we haven't had a very good record in the first half. But I would also say in the majority of those years in the second half, we start winning a lot more games. And it's just because the, the fundamental skill level of our team has really elevated. And it was interesting, the last two years with our, our U11 team, you know, again, a brand new group of parents, brand new group of kids, you know, at the start of the year, we kind of do an evaluation of where we're at and say, all right, we really need to work on this and this and this. And we don't yeah, care. Every time you're in Winnipeg, make sure you practice your skates and come for a little wheel around our facility. What, you know, we want kids to compete. And, you know, typically it's more fun to win than it is to lose, you know, for everybody, for the kids, the parents, and the coaches. Yeah, thanks a lot, Robert. You're just focusing on the outcome of winning a game, I'm not sure you're actually doing the players, uh, you know, the right, the right service. And so each of the last couple of years, I think in the first half out of 10 games, we won one or two games. And first couple of games of the year, we get blown out like 7-1, 7-2. But, you know, you kind of look at it and say, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll be okay. And then... You know, two years ago, uh, we won, I think, two games in the first half, and we ended up losing in the city finals. And the team that beat us 7-2 in the first half of the year, we actually knocked them out of the playoffs, and we won 6 nothing. And so to me, that's the selling point to the parents. You know, they, they still don't believe you when you say, hey, we don't care about wins, and when you lose your first game of the year 7-1, and then you lose your second and your third and your fourth. The next thing you know, you're 1-4 you're and, and, and this and that. They don't believe you, but, you know, you got to – it takes – you know, you got to have some courage and stick to the plan and stick to saying, you know, don't worry, we'll be there. And then, you know, at the end of the year, when they start seeing us beating those teams uh, that beat us bad in the first half, then they start to believe. And even some of those teams are like, wow, you guys are way better than your record. And we're like, yeah, that's kind of the hope. And, you know, I'm sure if it was a disaster and we lost all our games in the second half, 7-1 and 7-2, you know, you're not going to get any buy-in at all. But I've always had that philosophy is, you know, the first half of the season is, is about development, getting your kids up to a certain level. So now you can start working on, you know, not, not system play, but you can organize them a little better. Like, you know, here's some things we're trying to do on a breakout. Here's some things we're trying to do on a four check. Um, you know, so they have the skill level to perform sort of anything that you, you want to try and do. And, and, and for me, it's always worked. We've always been a way better team in the second half than we have in, in, in the first half. And it's just because we've really raised the, the level of the skill of our players. Um, this looking at the international stage and, you know, all the different countries around the world, whether it be Sweden, Finland, United States, everybody wants to do better than Canada. It doesn't matter if it's in, in games or, uh, you know, at the development model. What are some challenges that, uh, you know, your staff or Hockey Canada faces when you're, you know, you're always trying to get better? Is there a challenge that you guys have to face every day, every year to try and get better than some of those other countries? Yeah, there's, there's always a challenge and, and the challenge isn't because we don't have good coaches or we don't have good programs, we don't have good skills coaches or we don't have good players. In a smaller country, it's much more easy for those countries to, to bring their athletes together more times during a season. Um, they're smaller, they have a little bit more of an autocratic philosophy where I would say it's going to be like, this is what we're going to do and, and if, you don't, if you don't buy in, then see you later. You know, in Canada, we're, we're still... As a nation, we're very polite. You know, we always want to give coaches the opportunity to, to share their knowledge and experience. And, and sometimes, you know, as you guys would know, sometimes you just need to say, like, no, this is the way we need to do it because this is going to get results. Um, but we have, you know, we have a ton of great coaches, great, great hockey programs, great skills coaches out there. 
But our, our challenge is in the size of our country is, you know, for example, on the male or the female side, we really only get a chance to bring our top athletes in into uh, one one place once or twice a year. You know, look at our under 17 program. We have the opportunity to bring the kids into Calgary for nine days in July. Um, our guys do a great job with that camp, um, you know, with all the ice sessions, the off ice sessions, the presentations. But unfortunately, that's the only time we get those kids together before the under 17 tournament in the fall. Whereas you look at a Finland or a Sweden, because of the size of the country and, and their structure, they can bring those kids in together for six or eight times a year. So they have many more touch points to, to not only introduce, but to develop and kind of refine their, their processes and their, and their skills. And so our players come in from, you know, all different parts of the country, different programs, you know, and again, a lot of them are very good. And then they go back to different programs. So it's hard to get the consistency in relaying you know, some of the things that we do at a national level, just because we don't see the kids that often. And, and so that's where probably the biggest challenge is, is um, not that we don't have great people out there, but we just don't get the consistency in, in the fact that we don't get a chance to see those same amount of touch points with the players. Um, so, so I'd say that's one of the, the biggest things. Um, but again, the diversity that we have is also one of the things that makes us successful. As much as it can hurt you on one area, it also makes you successful on, on the other side. And we have a ton of great coaches that come through our, our male and female high performance programs, and they all come from different backgrounds. And, you know, and Dwayne from your side, seeing that you see, you know, players coming in uh, from different programs and they have different strengths and weaknesses, but it, it's, not, it's not the same weakness that you see in all the players or the same deficiency or the same strengths. So it's, uh, it's much more of a sort of a mixed bag, I think, of what you get. And, the fact that we don't get those players for long periods of time, multiple times a year, it's, it's much harder to raise those individual uh, levels, if you will. So. so, Corey, you've been able to travel the world, uh, you know, working with some of the best skills coaches uh, across the world. Uh, what are some things that you've taken away from maybe some of your trips across seas uh, and maybe some weird things that you may have seen along your travels? Yeah, I've been fortunate to, to go to a lot of different countries and, and interact with a lot of different people. Um, I would say, you know, from some of the European countries, um, their consistency is, is built into sort of their methodology. So in, in Finland, for example, they will run a lot fewer drills in an ice session, but they will spend a lot more time on the repetition of it. You know, they might do a simple shooting drill that'll run for 20 minutes. And as we know in Canada, you do the same drill for 20 minutes in kids in Canada and they start getting bored. They want six or seven different activities in a practice. So they're, they're much more focused on, on repetition. They might only do three drills in a session and it's just over and over and over. Um, you know, so, you know, we've taken some, some good parts of the repetition out of there that we can bring back to, to Canada and utilized from there. Um, you know, Czech Republic, for example, when I was there, it was interesting where they had three ice sessions back to back and the same coaches stayed on for all three ice sessions. The only thing that changed was the players. So, you know, they're getting 100% consistent instruction because those four coaches are teaching the 10 year olds, the 11 year olds and the 12 year olds, the exact same thing. And, you know, and then when the 13 year olds came out, there was another group of coaches that came on and stayed on the ice with the, you know, the 13 year olds, the 14 year olds, the 15 year olds. So, you know, there's really, a lot of consistent and each one of those coaches gets really, really good at teaching their specific skill. And they almost became experts at, you know, in this station, that same coach did the same thing for three practices in a row with three different age groups. Whereas in Canada, we're not, we're not 
really geared towards that. So, you know, there's definitely opportunities to, to look at, you know, the benefits of those different systems and, and things like that. Um, I wouldn't say I've seen a ton, a lot of really weird, weird things. Um, you know, in some of those countries, most of those associations have sort of a, what they would call a head coach or a technical director who's overseeing things. And, and I can remember being, and I won't say which country this was, but standing there talking to sort of their head of coaching. And then he says, excuse me, I'll be right back. And he went down to the ice service and called one of the coaches over and just started giving it to the guy like finger, you know, and come back and come back and act like there was nothing unnormal. I'm like, wow, what, what was that all about? Uh, he wasn't teaching the, the skill or the drill the way we wanted to. And I'm like, wow, that, you wouldn't do that in Canada. Or if you would, that coach probably isn't coming back. So, you know, there's a little bit of a different mentality in some of those places as far as their, their structure and how strict they are. Um, you know, on a goaltending side in some of those countries, it's like, this is how we're teaching it. You're either in or you're in the way. If you don't like it, beat it. We'll find someone else. And, and so, you know, over here, we have more of a democratic, um, all-inclusive, uh, kind of a sell job to get people more on, on the same page. And once we get there, then you can really see the improvement. But it's just a different philosophy. You know, you, you, can't, you can't treat players like that. You can't really treat coaches like that in our country. There's, there's much more, I don't want to say it's necessarily a lack of disrespect over there, but it's just a different mentality. And it's okay. You know, you can see the coach, you know, is nodding their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll go back and they'll make the changes. But, you know, in, in Canada, you know, if, if you start, you know, treating coaches or, or players or goalie coaches or that this way, they'll, they'll probably tend to shut down on you and you're not going to get the best out of them. So, you know, there has to be a, a respectful way of, of doing things. So that would probably be one of the, one of the weirder things. I mean, from a hockey skill standpoint, um, you know, there's a lot of people doing similar things. Um, you know, some countries have a lot of obstacles and things on the ice. Other ones are, are less like that. But, but I would say every time you have a chance to go, you another coach or another country, there's an opportunity to learn and, and pull something out of us that you can add into your own repertoire. Okay, Corey. Well, thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate you taking time out of your afternoon and uh, talking skill development with us. I know a lot of parents, uh, you know, pick our brains. So it's good to have somebody from Hockey Canada come on and, uh, you know, reiterate some of the stuff that we've been saying, as well as, uh, you know, kind of telling us some things that, you know, some parents didn't know. So again, appreciate you coming on today and uh, taking time out of your day. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if, you know, if I can just finish off with one thing, I really think that, you know, whether it's a skills coach or a team coach or parents, you know, when they're looking at programs is, is you know, look at, look at programs that are about developing the individual. Uh, I think number two, look at programs that are doing things that are game applicable. Um, you know, we see a lot of stuff on social media nowadays that is, you know, it looks great and this and that, but it's, it, I would say it's probably not going to help the players in the game. So really look at the programs that are doing things that are, you know, if it happens in a game, practice it. And then, you know, look at programs that are making it fun and enjoyable for the kids so that they keep the, that, that, that component there. Cause you know, at the end of the day, you never really know which kids, boys or girls are going to make it to the highest levels. But I can tell you that probably the most important thing is that the kids that have fun along the way, and enjoy the experience they're they're the ones who are probably going to have the best chance and so if uh you know if programs are doing things that are you know applicable to the game um what you're working on in practice can translate into the game and if the kids are having fun and that's a good experience then i think overall you're going to find a great program and i know you guys at the rink uh, buy into those philosophies as well as well and, and do a great job in, in in teaching the things that you know that happen in the game but 
you know, making sure that the kids have a good experience and they want to come back the next day and they want to keep getting better. So uh, to me, those are probably the two of the most important things if you want to break it down to something simple. So thanks for having me. Uh, um, you know, it's always a great opportunity to, you know, get, get out there and, and, and have discussions with, with people in the communities and, and, and have a, an opportunity to share some of the philosophies and things that we like to, to do from a Hockey Canada standpoint. And I think at the end of the day, it's all about all of us getting better all the time. And, and that's where we're going to see, you know, more and more kids fall in love with the game. And, and you know, at, at the end of the day, for the ones that move on to, to higher levels and more competitive levels, then we're going to have more kids who have the opportunity to reach their potential. So appreciate the invite and uh, hope you guys have a great weekend as well. Okay, another great, uh, interesting, and, I, and the thing I like about that interview was that it's really informative, you know, like he goes, dives deep onto where he got his start, what means to him, how development, how skill development is such a big part for him. And, you know, he's working for, uh, you know, the best hockey company across Canada right now, development. So, you know, you know that that means a lot to him and he's trying to hit that home with every coach across country. So it was just really interesting to see his passion that he had for the development side. Yeah, I thought it was cool when he was kind of talking about how we live in the big country, right? And you got to get guys buying in about 80-20, he said, 80% buy-in. And, and it's true, you know, you want everybody to have their own their own kind of style and stuff like that. But you also want guys pulling in the same direction, right? Because, again, when we come to those international tournaments, we're expected to be like the top dogs, right so and he kind of talked a little bit about other countries being smaller and and they're able to get those those core guys together a little bit more regularly so uh, it's important that hockey canada keeps on doing what they're doing and and striving not just with players but with the coaching aspect and i thought that was really neat to to kind of get in in depth conversation about all the stuff that goes in to getting skill development coaches where they need to be so they're kind of spreading the message throughout the country so pretty interesting interview and and kind of neat to talk to someone that we don't always talk to exactly yeah and the one thing i thought was really important the message that he said that you know being a coach and then also how important development was and it was so much passion and development for him towards even more wins and losses and i think that's a great message to young coaches that are you know starting out and how important that is, but you know, it hits home with all of us here because we know how important it is and that's a big part of what we are here. So I think it's a great connection and it was really neat to talk to somebody that's on the same page as us here at the rink. Even for parents too, you know, right. to hear that, I, I always look back at my own hockey career and, and I had some buddies that were bubble guys at times that, you know, they made the team, but they were six defensemen, seventh defensemen sometimes. And, and you look at it and you go, that's great that you're wearing the jacket and that you made the team. But if you're looking at the development of a player, sometimes your best development years are years that you may get cut from a team and have to go back and play with, a, with a, uh, an age group or a level of hockey that's better suited to your skill level. That doesn't yeah. mean you're a failure. You know, that just means that you're developing at a different rate than somebody else. And I think sometimes we get so hyper-focused on well, where is my kid at right now and where do they need to be in a year or two? That's it's right. like, you know, sometimes we all do that in every aspect of life. So sometimes it's good to kind of go, you know what, let the kids develop, you know, let's do the right things to get the kids developed and see where they end up with that type of idea as opposed to rushing them through a system 
uh, and them losing development along the way, right? And then exactly. you, we've seen it a million times, you know, kids at 15, 16, who may have been pushed through the system a little bit too early, they end up kind of getting disengaged from the game and some find their way out of the game pretty quickly. So, um, you know, always ways to different ways to think of things as you, you know, as parents and as coaches as well. Anyways, too, let's, uh, yeah, we'll have a great week and we'll uh, see you next time. Sounds good.